Hey, I want to start with a, with a question. It's kind of, well, just kidding, because we don't have a screen. <laughs> it's kind of goes with the title of the sermon, uh, which if you're, if you're a note taker and want the title, since it's not there, the, the sermon title is Arrows of Opportunity. Oh, I don't have a screen. Well, y'all are cooler than me. So, Arrows of Opportunity, so you get to see that. Good. I'm glad. Oh, again, I don't make mistakes. Um, I just, I just flow with it, so. But here's a question I want to ask. Have you ever walked away from a situation frustrated because you realized you missed an opportunity? Some an hour later, I've had those moments all kidding aside where like you, you wake up at like two in the morning, you're like, oh crap. Like I just realized what, what that, what that could have been if I would have allowed it to, to be that. Oh, you know, so, so when, when I, when I hear this story and yeah, most, most of this chapter as far as number of verses, it's, it's a history thing. You know, it's, it's to get us up to date on, on where everybody at, what everybody's doing and, and what's going on. But the main thing I think God wants us to focus on, cause, cause the writer, as he's recording this history, he gets to verse 14 and he's like, I, I gotta pause and write about what happened on Elijah's deathbed. Cause it's a vital lesson for those that will be later in life. And, and it's something that, that you and I can, can learn from. So, and when I read it, I'm like, man, that guy missed a great opportunity. And I don't want to go through life worrying, like, what opportunities did I miss? Does that make sense? Like, like you know, what girl did I not talk to? You know, what what guy did I did I did I not get to hang out with? What what job did I turn down? What what position could I have gotten but I, but I didn't pursue? You know, how many missed opportunities do we have because we just didn't take them? You know, maybe it's to, to make a sale or to make an improvement or or maybe even just make a point when you're talking to somebody. Maybe it's an opportunity to minister to somebody you hadn't seen in a while and and the conditions were right for a quick word of encouragement and you didn't take it. Maybe it was an opportunity to learn from someone who had something to contribute to your life. Maybe it was a learning opportunity for your family, for your career, and and you missed it. You didn't you didn't take the opportunity. And I, and I feel like if you guys are like me, you, you just hate. Missed opportunities. You hate the, the wondering of what if. You hate the, the fact of usually by the time you realize that it is an hour later, two hours later, or 24 hours later, and you're like, man, it's too late. But what could have been? You know, but before we even get to that, I, I just, I don't know why I jumped in there so quick, but at the very beginning of this thing, here's the, the word that stuck out to me on one through, really all the way one through 13, and something that just stays with me through Kings is this. They're stuck in a pattern. So your only highlighted point for verses 1 through 13 is don't be stuck in a pattern. I mean, when we read about these guys, it's like he acted like his dad and he acted like his granddad and, and he continued to do the things this guy did. And I wonder how often you and I then get stuck in a pattern. And we blame it on family or we blame it on life condition or we blame it on something that happened to us or we blame it on, what are we blaming it on that's got us stuck in a pattern? Because when I read scripture, God says, I'm all about pulling you out of the pattern. I'm all about when the screen does go dark and you don't get to read it and others do get to read it. You're still going to make it through that message. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's going to be all right. Oh, um, you know, so, so, so what, what patterns do we get stuck in that we just use as an excuse to miss more opportunities? Now, God set them up for so many, maybe you could call it this, missing God given opportunities. Look back at verse three, just to, to, to quickly go over it. And it says, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. And he handed them over to, to this enemy king of Aram and his son, Benadad, during their, their reigns. You gotta wonder, like, what? What is he doing? Well, he's spanking them. 
Because when you love your children, you'll punish them to hopefully, what? Teach them to get right. Come back. Pursue righteousness. Change. Grow from it. And how often was it that God, you see, I think a lot of you guys, you want to read that, you're like, man, verse 3, so the Lord's anger burned, and, and, and this king came up. No, it says, and he handed them over to this guy. This was a prophetic thing that happened back in chapter 8, where he flat out told them, like, this, this is what's going to happen. King Azale is going to come in and he's going to wipe the floor with you guys for a little while because of some consequences, because of consequences, because of things you did. So, so yes, God is allowing this to, to, to happen. Um, yeah, I was sharing with Paxton this morning and we were just talking about the, the fellowship hall again and stuff. And, and he goes, Dad, you know, God flooded the church. I said, let's be careful when we say it that way. Let's say God allowed the church to be flooded. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want nobody thinking. You know, man, God just busted that pipe and cut on the water and just flooded it out until the roof fell down. Oh, that seems counterproductive when you're talking about, you know, God. You're like, why would God just flood his own building out, you know? But he allowed that to happen because he's got some purpose behind the pain. You know, so, so you can say it that way. Uh, so, so, so that's a God-given opportunity. God-given opportunity for you to get right right there. But they don't take it because we got a lot of other verses that talk about them continuing to downfall and continuing to get in trouble and, and just two short verses later, though, we get we get verse five. God given opportunity. Therefore, Yahweh gave Israel deliver. And they escaped from the power. So God let them get spanked for a little while. You understand? God's going to let you get spanked for a little while. And then he's going to deliver you. Like if you're truly his child, if you've never been spanked, I'm going to tell you, like, that's not a good thing for you. All right. Like, you know, I'm talking spiritually. I'm not talking physically anymore. So. You know, you new age generation people that Caroline was talking about that ain't been spanked unless you live at my house. Uh, I'm not talking about a physical spanking. I'm talking about like a like a spiritual lesson. Like like if God ain't never had to beat on you a little bit, pop you a little bit, punish you a little bit, train you a little bit. It's not a good thing because that probably means you might not be his. You, you know what I'm saying? Like the, despite the fact of, of, of a couple weeks ago when I had five extra kids at the house, I didn't beat on them because they ain't mine. And I had to beat mine less so that they didn't think I was evil. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, so if God's not like, not getting you straight, don't sit there and think, oh man, I'm just so holy and so awesome. No, it, it probably means you might not be his. Right? So take it as a warning sign. God given opportunity. But then verse five, this God given opportunity says after they were, you know, spanked for a little while, after they had sat in the corner for, I know y'all time out generation, most of you. So, so, you know, after you after you sat in time out for a little while, it says God sent a deliverer. And what I absolutely love about this thing, man, not only does it go back all the way to the book of Judges where we kind of first started, you know, going going verse by verse in Scripture, Israel slips, God allows them to be humbled by their enemies, they cry out to God, he sends a deliverer, Israel escapes. Then they get back into it again. You know, aren't we just tired of going through the cycles that's stuck in that pattern thing. I know we already hit on that, but it's just there, right? But but here's what I really love about verse 5. What's the deliverer's name? Y'all got it on the screen, so it should be easy for y'all. I've got to actually like look with all these little tiny letters all over this page. And What's his name? It's right there in verse 5. I think, wasn't it? Therefore, the Lord gave Israel deliver. What's his name? His name don't even get listed. Right? Because you don't need a great name to do great work for God. Huh? Right? Like, like he's an unnamed guy 
who's doing something so spectacular that his name, his story, not his name, his story is written down now for all eternity. But his name doesn't even get mentioned. And you're so worried about like your name, your recognition. You know, I was listening to to a guy the other day. He he called a guy to tell him thanks for donating money, which, by the way, thank any of you. This, this is just a free one, like a free thank you for real for the LPC banquet. Those, those guys like they're, they're above where they needed to be. And they were like half the people that they were allowed to be there because of COVID and all that. So it's phenomenal, phenomenal awesomeness. That's a blessing of guys, people. Right. But but there was this other church and like this, this guy, he got like a, a rather dark, large donation. He calls this guy. He goes, man, I just want to tell you, tell you, thank you. You know, and the guy says, man, that, that call is not needed. It's appreciated. But it's not needed. I, I didn't do it to get my my name recognized. This guy gave a million dollars. Yeah, I got to point that out because some of you are probably thinking like he busted a thousand dollars or you know ten thousand dollars or something. He gave a million. I'm like a million dollars, man. You you might deserve to have your name written down. You know what I'm saying? But he understood. It wasn't about his name. It was about what God had blessed him with and how he could bless the church to do something with it. I mean, that's phenomenal, man. That's that's the kind of attitude. That we're supposed to have. But too many of us are trying to pursue a great name for ourselves. What if we worried about just pursuing representing the name of Christ the way we were supposed to so that the world would recognize him as who he's supposed to be, right? Some of us are so worried. And I tell you, some of the greatest stuff ever done was done by unnamed people. But both in history and even in church service. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, like some, some stuff was done before you even got in here today by people you don't even know did it. You know, we didn't have their name on the slides. Thank this crew for cleaning today. Thank this crew. You might know who cooked because you saw them toting the food on a Wednesday. But but there, there, there's, you know what I'm saying? It's not about the name. It's about the job that's got to get done. And this guy understood this. So God gave an opportunity. God sends his deliverer to get him right. And you're like, yes. If they didn't learn from the spanking, because, you you know, people learn different ways. And that's, that's fine. That makes sense. I think that's why God does this pattern since judges. Like he understands some need to be spanked to get right. Some need to be encouraged to get right. So, so they get the spanking and then he sends the encourager. This deliverer comes in and he saves the day. Deliverer, we don't even know his name of him. You're like, oh man, God given opportunities. Guys are going to get right now. We're finally going to have a good, there's like nothing good in second Kings, by the way, by their leaders. Nothing. Like, like seriously. So, so it's really scary. But then you got verse six. In verse six, it says, but nevertheless, they did not depart from the sins of the house of Jeroboam. God answered their prayer. He sent a deliverer and they continued in their false worship of a true God. Man. Now we laugh because we read it and we see it and we're like, well, yeah, but look in the mirror. How often is that us? How often has God spanked us and we didn't get right? How often has God encouraged us and we got right for maybe a moment and that was it. Just just that, that moment of getting right. Israel's repentance is half hard and here's why. Because they repented because they suffered, not because of their sin. It's not the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's like the, the cheating spouse that gets caught. That's a holy crap. I don't want the alimony that's going to come behind it. Right? When, when, when you tell the officer, sorry for speeding, you weren't sorry for speeding until he pulled you over. Because you don't want the ticket. Am I right? You didn't care at all. I'm with you. I speed all the time. I like speed. It's good. Right? I don't think you can get a ticket for confessing that, can you? So, right? You got to actively catch me doing it. So, but think about it. But if I get pulled over, oh man, 
And mine's not even about the ticket. Like, I'm an adult now, so I don't have to call dad, you know, and, and talk about that. Mine is like, the insurance is about to go up. This sucks. Right? I can care less about that. But the insurance, the bill, you want to get straight, hit me where it hurts. And that's the pocketbook, right? So, yeah. <laughs> Two years, three months for law school's over. <laughs> they went, you can say it this way. Here's probably a better way to write it down instead of my mumbo jumbo, right? They went back to the sin after they escaped the sorrow. There's no follow through. That's kind of like maybe what some of us do after Sunday. Oh, we're fired up on Sunday and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it changes, right? All right, skip down to verse 11. One more iteration of just being stuck in the pattern. It said, he did what was evil in Yahweh's sight. He did not turn away from all the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and cause Israel to commit. But he continued them. Man. The reaction of this king, the, the, the pattern that he's stuck in, is just so... I mean, it's heartbreaking, man, because you you have to wonder, like, why aren't they learning? What 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 is it that's not allowing them to learn? And maybe that's maybe that's part of the question we need to write down. Like, what? Why am I not learning from my own mistakes? Or maybe why am I not learning from others mistakes? You know, I think there's like a proverb that says something not like a proverb in in the Bible, but like a like a proverb in life. And I think it says something like a wise man learns from his mistakes and a wiser man learns from the mistakes of others. Do you realize people are there to teach you something good or bad? We just got to take opportunity of it, right? Skip down to verse 14. Here's what we'll spend primarily the remainder of the day, right? So 14 says, Then Elijah became sick with the illness from which he died. Now, <laughs> I got to stop, and I, I'm going to come back to this in just a minute, but I, I read this, and I'm like, man, I wonder what Elijah was expecting. Because remember, like, he asked for the double portion of Elijah, and, 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 and then he got it. And he's, you know, number-wise recorded. I don't think all of them are recorded anyway, so I don't really like to focus on it a whole lot. But yes, numerically recorded in Scripture is literally double the miracles that Elijah done, which is kind of cool. But again, I think they both did more miracles than is actually written down. Same as I think Jesus did more than what's written down in, in the Gospels, right? So, so you got that going on. So then I'm thinking, like, what did death did he expect? You guys remember how Elijah died, right? And what did he do? He just rode that thing on up. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm picturing like if I'm Elijah and I done did double the miracles of Elijah and I get to that end of my life, cause he's probably like 80 to 100 something right now, roughly, you know, depending on how you calculate time frame and all that kind of stuff. When I get to that point, I'm like, I'm like, all right, God, what kind of cool way am I going out? What's it going to be? Right? Like you anticipate something cool about to happen and then he gets a cough. <laughs> And because he's old, the cough wears him out and he lays down in his bed. Cause, cause that's what it says. He became sick with just a common illness. It was probably, here's the crazy part. He was probably sick from a common illness that he had been healing from other people. Like how crazy is that, right? You catch what you've been healing from somebody else, right? So there's a spiritual lesson itself. Like you're not immune to catching what those around you may be getting, right? So, 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 so he goes in and he says this. Or it says this. Why he's sick, he's, he's, he's illness. You know, this is the illness that's going to take him out. So we know he's on his deathbed. The writer has set the stage. And it says, uh, King Joash, or Joash of Israel went down and wept over him and said, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. When I first read it, it seemed so strange. 
Because for so many verses at the beginning of this thing, we've talked about how evil this guy is. It, it literally says multiple times, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He was performing evil in the sight of the Lord. And like all this evil that he's doing, and now he's going to weep over somebody who is probably getting in his way from doing what he really wanted to do a lot of times, right? You, you got any godly friends? None of you. Good. You're all in a lot of trouble. Man, I was trying to, that was going to come out really wrong, and thank you, God, for breaks. Uh, you guys are in a lot of trouble if you don't have godly friends, right? But but when you got godly friends, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, like when you got godly friends, they won't let you get away with stuff. So how many times did this prophet tell him, hey, Jehoash, you're not allowed to do that. What are you doing? I'm not going to let you get away with that, right? So, so who knows how often this guy got this over yet? The verse says, when it got to the time that Elijah was on his deathbed, he, 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 you know, he, this was going to be his end, it said that the king went down to him and wept over him. Man. And, and I just want to note this because I think this is where, and this is sad, but I think this is where a lot of the church is at. This is why I think it's so important. You, you've got to note and you've got to remember, Joash, he was not a worshiper of false gods. He was a false worshiper of the true God. Keep that in mind, right? Remember, he's eliminated the, the temples. He's eliminated all that stuff. But what remains? We've talked about it for weeks. Please don't let me down, church. I feel like I fail if you can't tell me what's left. I, well, no, no, idols are gone. Baal is gone. Oh, man. I'm going to preach longer tonight. The high places, all right. You can go to lunch. Everybody else is staying. Right? What's at the high? Oh, you said it already? you got to speak loud. Speak like you mean it. Don't speak like you're ashamed. Speak like you know. Right? What's on the high places? Asher poles. Thank God. Somebody did not say it, but I said it for you because I want to go to lunch too. Right? So, so, so they've got all this stuff. It, they were worshiping God, but they were worshiping God a false way. They were mixing things in. Oh, regular worship isn't enough. Let me add my own stuff. Oh, you know, that's not enough. Let me add what they do. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, well, we got to understand that because I really believe that's the problem. And I don't believe a lot of you guys go home and idol worship. I don't believe half the people listening online go home and idol worship. But I do believe we mix up some practices when it comes to true worship of the true God. Right? And that's his biggest problem. That's his biggest problem. And it amazes me, as this is his biggest problem, right? That, and maybe that's why he's got these consequences later, by the way. Maybe his worship problem is what promotes later later consequences and later problems. But it amazes me how Joash and, and, and other kings of Israel knew the worth of Elijah, yet they still weren't willing to serve Elijah's God. You know any people like that in your life? Like They know the worth of asking you for prayer. You know what I'm saying? Something, something, something get bad. The the, the 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 floor drop out. They gonna call you. They gonna beg you. You know what I'm saying? Because they know the power of prayer in your life. Yet they've got no intention of even checking out who you're praying to about it. Right? Spurgeon says this great quote. Dear friends, let us seek to live so to live that even ungodly men may miss us when we're gone. What? You know what I'm saying? That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Crystal starts start at the solicitor's office Monday. 
And she calls me or uh, texts me. She goes, hey, a lot of people up here know you. It's not always a good thing at a solicitor's office, right? You're like, you think, you think you're the same thing? Like, man, right? So uh, I didn't say nothing because we were busy. And then finally get home, she's telling me a story. She goes, yeah, I was telling them about the tire shop and trying to relate to who I was. And about five of them all at once go, oh, the preacher man. Could be called worse. <laughs> right? But think about that. If you're, you're in that kind of environment, that kind of people, like, what, what would they have said about you? What would they have thought? Oh, corrupt guy. Oh, that faker. Right? What could they have said? Think about this. I mean, this is good. Maybe they thought preacher man was a bad thing. I don't know. But Spurgeon's quote is spot on. Let us seek so live that even ungodly men will miss us when we're gone. What difference are we making in the world that even the ungodly are going to miss us when we're gone? Right? You know the problem with us having the mentality we have now of letting the government take care of everything? They're not going to miss the church when the church is gone because the government's been doing the church's job. Oh, we didn't like that because that means you don't have to pay taxes. you got to pay out your own pocket. Oh, cry and shame. Get over it. That's what scripture says, right? He went down to see him. You can say it that way. That's right. He went down to see him because he's not going to be around much longer. Now, I use this phrase just because of the, the, the picture that's coming. I said the window of opportunity is closing because he's about to have this window thing, right? But the window of opportunity for Elijah, man, it's about gone. And Elijah's got this divine insight. Like everybody agrees. That's why he calls him. When he calls him, it's not because that's his dad. He says, Father, Father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. What he's saying is, man, we ain't won nothing on our own. Everything we won has been because of you. Now, now remember, what, what had Elijah been telling him? Well, when an enemy was going to sneak up, what did he tell him? They're coming from that direction. You need to do this. They're going to do this. You need to do that. You need to go here because they're there. But, I mean, he had set up everything for these guys to complete with victory. And this king acknowledges that. And he remembers that. And, and this, you could really say, like, he's, he's a newer king um, compared to, to some of the others, and he is. And, and as this newer king is taking over, this is huge, man. This is huge, right? He realizes Elisha is dying, and that's, his, that's that makes his last moment of opportunity. W- would you guys agree with me to say this? Like, I know all opportunities aren't created equal, but would you say that all opportunities have an expiration date? And you believe that because you were quick to say it, right? Do you live like you believe it, though? All opportunities have an expiration date. Meaning, like, there may be that opportunity is gone, and 24 hours later, you may, oh, it's gone. You know what I'm saying? He wants to hear the word of the Lord from Elijah one more time before this window closes. So he goes down. Scripture says he went down to see him, which is it's really, I bet the writer of Scripture was excited to write it this way. But remember, writing with direction is a picture it paints for us. So for a king to go down, you never see it. So this writer, as a believer, is probably like exciting. That's an uncommon thing for a king to do. But this king's in a desperate situation because they've been getting attacked and beat up for, for how many verses now? And things really aren't going well. Sometimes it takes a desperate situation for you to go to God for guidance. Right? And as, as he does this, now, now, no, we haven't missed much because we go verse by verse. But timeline-wise, Elijah really hasn't gave anything for decades. It's been a long time since he's had something that's recorded in scripture and timeline for, for what's going on. So, so when he goes to these guys, he's saying, man, what are we going to do without you? In verse 15, Elijah says, get a bow and some arrows. Because God's about to teach you how to fight spiritually. Some of you guys are wore out because you've been fighting physically when you're supposed to be fighting spiritually. R- right? You, you've been losing and you're wore out and you're, and you're so tired. Right? It was there. He just had to go get it. Right? 
I mean, like, if somebody, if somebody was to tell you, like, look in your hand, you may not always have it in your hand, but if somebody was to tell you, like, go get a bow, You're going to go get it, aren't you? Am I right? You're not going to go to a man who's on his deathbed dying and and straight up tell him like, hey, I know you're dying. I need some last advice. And he's going to say, go get a bow. And you're going to be like, I I don't have one. What do you mean you don't have one? There's one there. You just got to go get it, right? Will you go get what God told you to go get? I mean, what? A real one, yeah. You want to be the target, dummy? Oh, okay. Right? But but what if he'd have said that? What if he'd have said, I don't see no bow. There's no bow in my hand. How often is it God told you to go get something that's there? You just got to go get it. But you're like, it's not in my hand, God. There's no verse that says, oh, the skies opened up and the, and the bow fell into his hand and an arrow fell into it the right way. It, there's no verse about that. The verse says he was told, go get it. So he went and got it. Right? And he said, get some arrows. And, and I asked my wife to go get mine because I forgot it. And, and she got eager. But it makes me think, like, would he have been eager? Would he have went and got two bows? You know, would, would he have got, like, arrows that probably don't have them, don't have tips on them because those are the extra ones, you know, more or less the, the, the ones that are in there in the actual quiver. Like, what, what would he have really went and gotten? Thank God she got those because the other ones have really sharp points on them that you wouldn't like when you're the target practice in a minute, right? Like, like you got you got to think about it. And you gotta wonder, like, what, what, how different could it have been if he didn't go get it? The prophet said, go get the bow and go get some arrows, and he did it. And, and when, listen, listen as the story goes on. He, he said to the king of Israel, uh, to take these bows and arrows, take this bow in your hands. So he, so he gets the bow, he puts it in his hand. And then it says, as he had taken it, Elijah then puts his hands on his hands. We need some spiritual mentors. Some men and spiritual ladies as well that are going to give guidance to the next generation. Look at what he's doing right here, man. He he's not just letting him hold this thing. It says that he took his hand and put it around the king's hand. You you got to picture this. This is beautiful because you've got a king who probably came to him broken, upset, confused, hurting, and sick of having everybody post on Facebook about him that he was losing all these battles, right? Somebody had been tweeting about it, I guarantee it, right? He had been getting his butt kicked for too long. So so he, he finally got into that desperate situation, went and seeked out this guy and said, this guy, he said, go get a bow. He had to go get it. Then he's like, he's a king in all honesty. He may not even know how to use the bow, to be honest with you, right? So maybe like he's holding it wrong. We don't know. We don't know. But Elijah says, man, let me let me put my hands with your hands. And let me show you how to grab this thing. And let, let me give you the guidance. You need the guidance of divine men of God. You do. You, like, you really do. It's super important. You need to go seek it. You need to let them show you some things. You need to let them teach you some things. Right? It's one, one of my favorite things. And, and the men have finally caught on. They could, it used to be you guys, you guys would crack me up, man. Because 15 to, well, when we had 10. 15 to 20 now, you're learning. When we had 10, if there was any question that came up in men's discussion, everybody would just turn and look. They're looking at me, by the way. Right? And I don't look right back at them. I will stare at you as long as you stare at me, brother. Let's see who can win this thing. Right? I want you to seek your own thing out. Now, man, as soon as the question's asked, somebody else is chiving in. And then that brings up another question. And then we spend seven hours on one chapter. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, you guys now understand why sometimes it's so hard to preach these things, right? There's so much meat and potatoes in this stuff, right? And we're getting it. That's great. You need that guidance from men who want to grow you the right way, right? And I'm talking even when, like, there's disagreements. I'm like, you, you just you just talk it out. Like, let's grow this thing. Let's figure out what it really is, right? And then he gets this command. He says, you know, we, we just never read it. Take the bow. Take some arrows. Now, now here's what you really got to understand because because there's a, he's preaching, but he's using a using a prop like me, right? So so he's giving him this lesson because Joash's worry is what Elisha, when you die, there's there's no there's no deliverance of the Lord anymore. What are we gonna do? And Elijah's thinking, you moron, I'm just a man, right? Like it has nothing to do with me. So so go get go get your bow, go get your arrows. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna give you an illustration to go with this sermon that the Lord's deliverance. Is still present even as I'm on my deathbed, even as I'm gone. So he tells me, I want you to shoot this arrow of faith. Right? And what's so awesome, I was checking this out, not a big spiritual lesson here, but me and Cliff will like this if none of the rest of you do, right? The, the, the custom of the day was if you would shoot an arrow in somebody's, uh, direction, you was calling them out. You know what I'm saying? So like when he said, I want you to open the east window, he lets you know what window to open. What direction to shoot? This is very specific. And I want you to shoot that arrow. He's straight up calling out that one group of people and he's telling them, we go come get you. Because what it literally meant was I would shoot an arrow or throw a spear in that direction that would tell that country we're about to invade you. I think we need to start shooting some arrows and throwing some spears at the enemy and letting him know we're sick of running. Now it's time to, to invade him. You know what I'm saying? You know, do we understand this? Whether you got a bow and arrow or a nerf gun, man, it's time to get busy, right? Shoot an arrow. Let them know you're coming. And then verse 17, you're getting so excited and, and you're ready, right? Verse 17, the biggest, biggest highlighted verse of this chapter, for me at least. Elijah said, oh, I just said it. I spilled it early. I'm sorry. Open the east window. So he opened it. Shoot. So he shot. God, if we would listen this well to preachers, right? Especially men of God, right? And Elijah said, the Lord's arrow of victory. Yes, the arrow of victory over Aram. He's prophesizing now about this, this arrow. And he's telling like this arrow, this, this is it. This is telling you, you're going to have victory over these guys. You're able to strike down the Armenians until you have put an end to them. What he's saying is, I want you to empty the clip on them cats. Right? I want you to keep squeezing the trigger. Right? Because you don't need to be in your right state of mind. You need to be in God's state of mind. Now, that sounds kind of crazy. And it sounded crazy the first time like a cop tried to tell me too. Right? They're like, man, if you ever have to, like you don't shoot once, you empty the whole clip. Because if you shoot once, they're thinking you're in your right mind. But if you empty the whole clip, you can say, man, I was just, I, was, I didn't know. Adrenaline took over and it, and it was crazy, right? When God gives you a command, you let the adrenaline of the Holy Spirit take over and you empty the clip. Right? That's, that's where this guy's at. So you open the window. Here's a lesson. Remove any obstacles that are in your way. You've been staring at the wall too long. You've been staring at your limitations too long. Open the window. Get you a view. Right? Second thing, shoot. I ain't never met nobody who shoots is not active, aggressive. Right? God's telling you, I'm sick of my people being passive. Huh? Right? Then the, then that prophetic one, I said, the arrow of deliverance. This is what it's going to be. Guaranteed right here is the word of the Lord. And then the command, strike the, strike the Syrians until you've destroyed them. You know, another thing I like as I'm looking at it, the prophet didn't open it for him. He had to open it himself. 
I sometimes get heartbroken for people that like I feel like I could do a little bit more for. But then at the same time, like God says, man, you, you walk them this far and then they have to. Same thing with the Lord. They have to take the next couple steps on their own. Like you can't, you can't baby feed them forever, right? Like, like they got to start eating on some meat eventually. Like Elijah said, I can tell you what window you're supposed to open. I can tell you what weapon to go get, but you got to do it. You got to get over there and open the window. You got to clear your view. You got to get rid of the obstacles. You got to get rid of distractions and you got to aim that bow, right? <laughs> Speaking back to what I thought about this king and his this thing, he's probably going for comfort and instead Elijah's giving him instructions. You ever went to somebody for comfort and they just start giving you a list of instructions? You know what I'm saying? I talked to this guy one time who was like like pretty fit and well to go and I was like, "Man, I'm getting a little getting a little choky." I just wanted some comfort. I'm like, no, nah, man, you're approaching your mid-30s. Like, like it's all right. Like, that's just common, right? He gave me a workout regimen, which was fine because I like working out. That wasn't no problem, right? Then he gave me a diet to follow. I threw that junk in the trash can. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't lived 35 years not to enjoy all that good food I get to eat now, right? And, and I don't have a six-pack again. You know why? Because I wasn't willing to do what the messenger told me to do. I wasn't willing to follow the instructions, Right? Sometimes we go to people for comfort and we get upset that they give instruction when instruction is what we need. Right? That, that's what he's doing. I think of it this way, and this is the way I wrote it down before I thought of instructions. God is a God of action. He's a God of action. So he tells him, go get a bow. We ask God all the time for opportunities. I think God's waiting on us to seize opportunities that we already got. I think there's a lot of opportunities around that we're not taking advantage of. Maybe you could even ask it this way. This is why I wrote it down in the beginning for me. What am I even aiming at? Or am I even aiming at something? You know, you don't even have to see what you're aiming at as long as you're aiming where God told you to aim. That's kind of weird, ain't it? He said, open the window, shoot in the east direction. Like all you got to do is listen to God just enough to know what direction to aim. You ain't got to see it. He could have said, I, I don't really see nothing over there, Elijah. I don't know what you're, what you're wanting me to do. Right? But he didn't. He, he just shot. And it was beautiful, right? He seized the opportunity. He followed the instructions. Almost like Elijah was saying, look, man, you ain't going to experience no victory over weeping over what's dying. Which is bold when you're the one dying. Right? Leonard Ravenhill says the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. We always go on and on and telling people about, hey, man, trouble doesn't last a lifetime. Hang on. Maybe we should start telling people opportunity don't last a lifetime. You better get it together. Right? I don't even shoot hockey. Never shot at a goal in my life other than like in the yard with the kids when Reese was playing hockey. But, but Wayne Gretzky says you'll always miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's pretty sound theology right there, right? Y'all all talk about like our history talking about like Babe Ruth having more home runs. He also had more strikeouts than anybody else. You know what I'm saying? You got a swing to get it. A lot of people don't know. Like, oh, he had more strength. Yeah, right? Truth is this. Opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and it looks like work and we ain't willing to do the work. You know what I'm saying? We're not willing to do the work, man. We want it given to us. We want we want, we want, want to just come in with the lies and hold our hands up and the bow and arrows to fall in our hands. And instead, Elijah says, you got to go get it. I don't know how long it took him to go get it. Did he run? Did he know where one was? Did he Did he have to look for it because he was a pansy king and hadn't done anything? Right? 
What I do love is this, man. Yeah, and you can write this down as a point. I hinted at it a minute ago. View, view the victory, right? For window of opportunity, view the victory. You've been staring at all these limitations, but 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 the prophet is saying, I want you to face your enemy. And he even says it in the wording. He goes, you're going to shoot this arrow. It's going to be the arrow of deliverance of the Lord. Now, that's a bold statement because the battle ain't even begun yet. And he's already talking about winning. It's, it's one of the things we should love as Christians, right? Because Christians don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. Right? You got, you got, you got to, you got to see it. Right? You, you got to see it before you can see it. Hebrews 11, 1. Y'all know this, right? What is it? I think it's on the screen for you guys anyway. So I mean, faith is of what's hoped for and proof of what ain't even seen yet. Right? Do you have enough faith to see what's not even seen yet? Do you? Maybe like, I know it's like some probably cheesy uh, psychologist like idea, but maybe like sometimes we should just go home, sit and close our eyes and start visioning some victory over stuff. Maybe if we saw enough victory, then we'd be able to approach it, right? Because you, you might have to view the victory, but you also got to focus the fight, right? I, I love that Elijah, some people might not even notice it. I love that he told him which window to open it, but that was not a choice. Some things are a choice. Some things are not. He said, you open the window on the east side. Why? Because you can't fight but one enemy at a time. And that's the enemy you got to fight first. So let's go ahead and get them out the way, right? Some of us, we lose battles because we're fighting battles looking through somebody else's lenses. Right? Anybody wear like really thick glasses up in here? You don't have to be shy. We don't care. None of you? You're blind? Beth, you got good eyes? I don't know how that would work for this illustration, so I'm going to have to hold off on that. Unless you want to take your contacts out and share them with Cliff. Which I think is kind of weird, so we better not do that. Who, you, Rachel, you got good eyes? Hey, let her hold your glasses, Blondie. You, you're the only one with glasses. What are you doing? Follow my instructions. Is he really blind? Makes it better. He's what? Now, why does it feel that way to you? Now, hold on, hold on. You can't see anything with them on. Give them back to him. You ever had to wear those drunk glasses for school? Okay. Right. Sorry, I don't remind me of that. Now put them on. Now how do you see? Good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you understand sometimes, so I don't want to step on that. Do, do you understand sometimes the, the view that you have is wrong because you're looking through somebody else's lenses? You're looking at an enemy you're not even supposed to be fighting. Right? And that's why he looks like so strange that you can't handle it. Because it ain't yours. Right? That, that's what we do, though. But he tells him, he takes away that man. He says, I want you to open the east window, and I want you to look at that enemy in that direction. Some of us aren't winning anywhere because we're trying to fight and win everywhere. Right? Don't worry, I'm going to use those in a minute, too. The kid's been watching Rocky, which I love. Anybody? anybody yeah, that's what I'm talking about, right? So, so it's in the truck nonstop. As soon as we get in, you crank it up and it's playing because my DVD player is broke, but it works for them, so it's, it's good, right? But in, in Rocky Four, he's fighting Drago in Russia on Russian turf, right? And, and if you don't know this, this is a good history lesson for you guys. Like You, you need to know about Rocky. You, Beth said, you're horrible. You should come to the altar if you do not know this scene, right? But he gets into like the first couple rounds with, with, with Drago, who, by the way, has killed like his best friend in a previous boxing match. So it's kind of like a revenge match. 
and, and they're really about to get it on, right? And, and, and in that, he comes to the corner, and Mickey's already dead by now. That's his, his trainer that he had for his whole life, right? It, it, but Polly's there. Now, I don't know if you guys knew Polly, remember Polly or anything. Polly's a dork. He can't fight. He's no good at nothing. He's literally, I mean, I'm dead serious. His character is an epic failure in the show, right? But he's sitting in the corner with Rocky when he comes over there and he goes, how's it going? And Rocky goes, not good. He hits hard. I see three of him. But Polly says this. Well, then just hit the one in the middle. (laughs) Only advice he can give because that's all he knows, right? You got to focus on who you aim at. What if he tried to aim at all three? It would have been drastically failed, right? You're thinking, well, what if he aims at the one in the middle and what the one in the middle? Then he knows who not to aim out next time. So it's a learning opportunity, right? <laughs> you got to focus, man. I think sometimes we get in trouble because we try to fight too many enemies at once, right? You can't fight them all at once, but you can fight them all one at a time. Right? Line them up. Line them up, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe this is a better way to say it. Aaron wasn't the only enemy, but it was the next enemy. Know who your next enemy is. Know which one you got to go. Right? That that stupid computer that kept failing, which had, had nothing, Katie Beth did nothing wrong. Like she, I walk in and she hold her hands up like I thought it was her fault. Right? I will baseball bat that thing. I hate computers. Like straight up. Right? Computers can't operate when too many windows are open. Ha <laughs> ha! You get it? Yeah. Right? Maybe you ain't operating because you got too many windows open. Got to close some, man. Action without aim leads to exhaustion. Action without aim leads to exhaustion. Probably the greatest prayer you could pray today if you get nothing else is just, Lord, show me where to shoot. And if nothing else, you'll like praying that, right? Lord, show, show me who to shoot at. Now, how he tells you to shoot might be a different thing, but at least you get to find out who, who you're going at, right? Are you more, think of this one, please, please don't answer out loud, but, but answer for real. Are you more focused on your arum or your arrow? You know the difference? Aram's the enemy. Your arrow's the victory. So are you more focused on that enemy than you are the arrow that God told you? He, what did he tell you to watch? He said, watch the arrow. He didn't say, look where it ran. He said, just watch that arrow. He could do a picture this shot. I don't know how beautiful it might have been. But I bet that thing just soared. Like it was guided by the Holy Spirit that really wasn't even known about yet at the time, right? Like that's how awesome the scene is. But then you get to 18. Man, I spent a long time on 17. You get to 18, you're still going to get to lunch. You're just going to miss the lunch crowd. It's all right. Yeah. I'm doing a favor for you. And Elijah said, take the arrows. So he took them. And Elijah said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times. And he stopped. Joash fails to fully take the opportunity. Do you get it? He says, take the arrows, and he takes them. Strike the ground. But after just just watching, this this is why you guys know Elijah's going to get mad. We already read it, right? Because I wonder, I was like, why is Elijah so mad? He just gave the guy the greatest sermon illustration ever. Watch the arrow of victory. Every arrow you shoot is victory. If God told you every arrow you shoot is an arrow of victory, why would you only shoot three? Shoot them all. That's what I'm saying, right? But but he stops. So you got you got to wonder like why does he stop? Why why, did, why does he? I think by now he's he's kind of getting timid. I think he's getting worried because he doesn't understand. He doesn't know what's going on. Maybe at least I don't know, right? 
But if the arrows are supposed to represent victory, why would he only shoot three? Here's a couple ways you can picture the scene. All right? Maybe he's just got no fire and excitement. That's what made Elijah mad. He shot the one. He got the bare minimum. How often are we happy with the bare minimum? He got the bare minimum answer from Elijah. He knew he was going to get a little bit of victory. So he's going to go on back and play king for a little while. But Elijah said, hey, before you leave, I want you to get more arrows. I want you to strike the ground with them. And then he walks off. Halfway doing it. How often we leave church halfway doing it? See, he's had the sermon. <laughs> That's what's awesome in this thing. He's got the sermon. This is the aftermath now. This is are you going to apply what you've been preached about, right? Maybe he's just content like a lot of us to do that minimum we were talking about. So it's a checklist mentality. I ah, shot that main one. I'll shoot a couple on the ground. Let's roll on. Checklist mentality, right? He, maybe, maybe he doesn't have a quiver like mine. Right, maybe he doesn't have a, a quiver like mine and he shot, well, that's a puny little one, isn't it? He shot that one. And then he shot a couple more on the ground. Right? And then he looked at his quiver and he was like, holy crap, I'm running out of arrows and there's a battle I'm supposed to be fighting. Then he gets that mentality, we always get a little bit of God and a little bit of us. A little bit of God. Ah, but I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need at least three or four. We know, and he may have had more than that. I don't know how many he had. We know he had at least six. Why? Because what Elijah tell him? You should have thought at least five or six of them things in the ground, man. So he had at least that. Maybe Elijah's old and he can't, maybe he's like clipping out his glasses on. I don't know how many you got. You got at least five or six, so you should shoot them all. Right, but I think he's shooting and he looks down at his quiver. He's like, oh crap, I'm, if he's looking at this quiver, he's like, I need a midget to shoot this one. And, <laughs> but, but he's looking down, he's like, I'm about to run out of ammo and the battle hadn't even, Hadn't even begun. Why? Because you're about to go fight physically, which you're supposed to be fighting spiritually. Right? And, and that's just an opportunity. I don't know. But I think worry took over, if that's the mentality. So, so either you're halfway doing it, you got a checklist mentality, worry's taking over, or, or maybe it's even that he's just tired, guys. You ever been tired? Like, really tired? Maybe he's just give out. He's war slap out. They've been fighting for a long time. He's been dealing with the people because it ain't been going his way. Maybe he's just tired and he's like, you know what? Three arrows is enough. Let's move on to the next thing, man, so I can go home and take a nap. Right? What's your problem? Well, why don't we take God's word with boldness? Or maybe he's not bold because it goes back to the original problem while we have these first couple verses in this chapter that we didn't really focus on. Maybe his problem is he doesn't have true worship with the Lord, so he doesn't have a true relationship with the Lord. And because he's got that that halfway mentality going, it carries over into every other area of life. You realize when you come in and halfway worship on a Sunday, the rest of your week is going to be halfway with God. I believe that. I, I promise you I believe that. Unless you get, unless you do something about it. You can always do something about it, which is good too, right? But if you come in and halfway do something, halfway listen to a sermon, halfway worship, Halfway read scripture, halfway study, halfway pray. You have a halfway spiritual life. I don't think he's aiming for his halfway spiritual life, right? So verse 19, it says the man of God gets angry with him because he didn't seize this, this moment. And he tells him, he goes, Israel's only going to enjoy three victories over the Syrian armor now. Instead, they could have had many, many more. 
He said get. He said take. He said aim. He said shoot. He said strike. He never said stop. We're too good at starting things and, and then we stop. All right. Why? Because it's good enough to survive, but it's not good enough to succeed. And that, that maybe is part of his part of his thing right here. Right. He should have kept shooting, but maybe he thought like the effort was too small shooting little little things in the ground. Right. Maybe you think your effort's too small, but you should keep shooting. Here's some things I jotted down just for me. You get your own. Don't take mine. Right. But I said, I, I got to keep shooting in the battle against sin. You know, I stopped sinning one time. And I was tempted to do it again. So I had to stop again. And then I was tempted to do it again. And I went a little longer. But then I had to stop again. You know, you get what I'm saying? Like, just because you stop once don't mean sin's going to stop coming. You got to keep on shooting arrows against the battle of sin. Keep on shooting at the attainment of knowledge. I got I, I used to get so happy when I would learn like just a little bit. This is when I was in school. Right. It's, it's seriously, I'm just giving you I'm just being honest. I learned just enough to get the test done. Right. You asked me something six months after. Good question. I don't know. Right? What did I make on the test? A 90. Well, I learned it for that day and that's all that matters. Right. So but but what do we do that? Do we do that with God's word? Are we happy to get just a little bit of knowledge? Are we happy to get fired up one day? That's, that's why you don't come at the halfway point of the week. Because you, you was content to get just a little bit. Maybe I should just start preaching poor so that you don't get enough to fill you up. So that you get hungry by Wednesday again. We don't like that idea. Nobody, no amens? No, no likes? All right. Huh? Uh, keep shooting uh, at the attainment of faith. My faith shows me going. Keep shooting to do more for the kingdom of God. I, I should not be satisfied with what we've done until God's called me home. Right? Should be constant growing the kingdom of God. Expand as much as I can. Keep shooting because the world and the flesh and the devil, they're never going to stop shooting back at me. Ask, ask an officer why he carries extra clips. Because when he's fighting an enemy, he wants to have more ammo than they got. Am I right? Because you don't want to be the one to run out of it. You got, you guys wonder and people wonder on TV all the time and not even start no big old commotion over it, right? For some of the pansies in the room. But you want to know why people's dying hard to get as many bullets as they can get? Because the winner of a fight is who's got more bullets at the end. It's that simple. A boxing match. The winner of the boxing match is normally who got more juice at the end unless you got the juice knocked out of you. Right? That's why it's so bad. That's why we should keep shooting. Keep attacking because he's going to keep attacking at us. Understand this. It was Joash's lack of faith that prevented him from destroying the Syrians ultimately. It was like, it was not about the arrows. It was about his faith. He didn't have the faith to, to follow through on it. And maybe this is tied again directly to his worship and lack of total commitment to God. You will strike him down only three times instead of all the times that you could have done. How often have we had an opportunity to defeat our enemy totally, yet we put it off for a little bit longer? I got him just a little bit. Just a little bit ain't going to cut it, man. Right? Pound him into the ground and finish him off. We underestimate the, the, the power of the small moments and how vital they can be in the big moments of success later. Small moments lead to big things, man. Opportunity to shoot the arrows. It, it seemed like such a small thing. And, and maybe he didn't understand it was going to be vitally connected to the victories that were coming in, in, in the future. But, but you don't want to be in the future looking back at a moment wishing you'd done something different, do you? Huh? I don't know. If you, you guys have probably never said nothing you shouldn't say and acted the way you shouldn't act and, and thrown something you shouldn't have thrown. And you, I know you guys had never done that, but there's people out there to do that. Really, really. I mean, and some of them even do come to church and, and try to put on a good Christian face and fool everybody, right? But, 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 but those guys, 
when they do that, I assure you, not from experience of myself, I can just really, really, really relate to it. They feel bad right after that word comes out. They feel bad right after something's thrown. But you know what else I've learned in life? You can't take back a word you've already thrown. You can't take back something that's already been put. So why my head's so messed up, man? I'm telling you, like, being a visual learner has messed me up. I cut grass Wednesday. I was more wore out mentally from cutting grass. than, And I cut in the middle of the day, like, to get used to the heat, right? So, like, I'm in the middle of the day cutting 80 degrees, rolling through, having a good old time. My brain is mentally wore out because while I'm pushing my lawnmower back and forth across the yard, I'm just thinking. And the more I'm thinking, the, the, the harder my brain is like twisting up and, and just going crazy, right? Your brain is a powerful thing. I mean, it, I'm telling you, it really is, man. Right? I don't even know where I was going with that, but it's for somebody because it came out my mouth. And I tell the Lord, Lord, let nothing come out my mouth unless it's for somebody. So take it for what it is and write it down and grow from it, right? Where am I at? Seriously. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to keep going, right? How often do we fail? There it is. How often do we fail to achieve God's best simply because we stop short of total victory? Right? And what excuses could Joash have had that maybe you and I got? I write these things down because it's what gets me. So like when I wrote down what I need to keep shooting out and I write down excuses that he could have used that I may use sometimes, like, like, it's for me. Maybe it's not for you. I stopped shooting because I didn't want to get more than I asked for. That's weak. Right? Right? I stopped shooting because I, I, I'm not really a good archer. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever shot for a little while and if your sights get off or something, it's kind of frustrating. Right? You you then may be one of those people who want to throw stuff. Right? Or, or golf. It's the same way with golf. Unless you have a cheater ball, then you, know, then you don't have to worry about it because that ball goes straight as long as you're allowed to pick it up, point it in the right direction. And I don't know. Maybe there's a spiritual lesson there for cheaters too, but Anyway, uh, I stopped shooting because Elijah wasn't helping me anymore. You know, at some point during the shooting, Elijah had to let his hands off. I don't know if you ever you ever shot with somebody, but you're not really going to keep on drawing back and letting go with them. Like eventually, you got to let go, and you can line them up, but they got to release on their own, right? I stopped shooting because I thought three was enough. Don't we often stop short because we think something's enough? I stopped shooting because I didn't think it was going to do any good anymore. How often have you stopped something because you didn't think it was doing any good? You didn't even know the results that were being produced. Right? I stopped shooting because I wasn't in a shooting mood. I didn't feel like it. Right? Is that not true? I stopped shooting because I didn't want to get overexcited. That one came about last night after my cousin left my house. He turned 21 uh, Thursday. So his first purchase was to go buy this nice gun. And he's talking about these clips that hold 20 each. I know you guys hate that. God bless you pansies with bullets, right? So he's, so he's got that. Uh, I'm not I'm not judgmental at all. You, you don't have to say, right? I'm just being realistic. So so he's got he's got these clips with the twenty, and and I'm like, man, you ain't shot it yet. And he said, no. And I was like, I want to take it outside and shoot it one time. It was like eleven o'clock, ten o'clock at night, something like that. But I knew I wouldn't want to just shoot one. I don't want to empty the whole clip, put the other clip in, and it'd be it too. Then I'd want to go get some of my own toys out. And start shooting some of them in the backyard too. And by then, Jacob and the rest of the police force would have been called. Because once you just start having a good time, you get so excited, you just want to keep going, right? Y'all don't even know what I'm talking. I wish y'all would get spiritually excited like that right there, right? Man, you 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 just don't know. You don't know. 
It's not about it's not about the arrows. I put it, it's not about arrows, it's about Joash, but it's not even about him. It's about us. And really, it's not even about us. It's about what we're going to do with what we've been given by God. you got to determine in advance. Listen to what he said. Saddest verse in a while that we've read. I don't know who would ever want to hear this. Verse 19. Elijah looked at him and said, you should have. You ever had anybody you look to with respect? Maybe some adoration, and they look at you and say, you should have done something else. You should have done more. You should have done. You ever looked at your spouse after you planned like a good evening, right? Or you know, something special, whatever good weekend. And well, it'd have been good if you would have, you should have, if you could have, man, is that not disappointing? Is that not sad? Right? I don't ever want to wonder what could have been. And the only way you can do that and all can decide is like to, to determine, determine to, to, to not make it that way. Most of us are not currently performing at the level of our potential because we're performing at the level of our preparation. Just talked with my dad about it. We were talking about, so the greatest football team in the world got Pearson's Thursday night at the NFL draft, right? Going to be phenomenal linebacker, I promise you. Write it down right now. Seriously. Going to be great. He, he's a little over-eager. So he's talking trash on the, on the, the other running backs in our division and says, man, I'm not going to worry about you guys because I get to practice. Against the greatest running back in the NFL. Yeah, sure, he's puffing that head up a little bit, right? You know, back in the day, I feel like a, a running back would have, would have tweeted back if they even had tweeting back then. But they'd have tweeted back, like, come and get you some. Right? You want it? Let's see what you got. Let's try it out. Number 21, Zeke Elliott, greatest running back ever. He tweets back, don't hit me in practice, rookie. <laughs> what? Man, I thought, like, I don't even follow tweeting and stuff, but I was going to follow this one, man. I was excited. I wanted to hear two grown men, like, like go at it like animals and better one another because they're on the same team. Little iron sharpens iron, right? And, nope. Why? And I, and I told my dad, I said, I, I believe I believe in the NFL. They probably don't even tackle at practice no more. Look at them on the field during the game. How many missed tackles do you see? Because you play like you prep. Right? Now, some teams, some teams still hit it nonstop. And it shows. But I'm telling you, you play like you prep. The boys wonder sometimes, like, man, why, why are you hard on me for that one play? I was running hard on all the rest of the plays. Because that one play might have been how you prepped and when it came up in the game. Right? How you prep is how, how's it going to go? That the, There was so much more that God had in store, but he stopped short. Now, I'm going to do this next part really quick, I promise. But But <laughs> you get to this section and you're like, man. But they don't end the chapter here because then there's like this afterthought to the writer. I don't know how this event becomes an afterthought, by the way. But in 20 and 21, see, it's already become an afterthought for you guys because we concentrated on the other stuff so long, right? 20 and 21, it says, then Elijah died. His disappointment killed him. I, I don't know if that's what killed him. Don't put that down. That's, that's not right or holy, right? But, but he dies. Not how he expected from this common virus and illness that was around. Not like he thought it was going to be. It's like, man, I thought the double portion, right? Could you imagine being the person who dies? The first thing you tell, you know, Yahweh when you meet him face to face is like, I thought I was going to die better. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> what are we doing, right? And it says this. It says it says that as he died, they put him in this this tomb, and they just kind of wrapped that up. Then it says, man, you remember that tomb? That's the same tomb. This guy telling the story. That's the same tomb. Like when we were getting attacked, we we had this funeral for this guy, and we were afraid of the enemy getting us. So like, we just threw him in the tomb. 
and, and like went and hid. I don't know about you, but can you imagine hiding from the enemy? Like you're hiding, right? I don't know where you're hiding at, but like you're you're hiding from the enemy, right? And like you're with some of your buddies. And then this other guy comes up. Hey, weren't we just toting you and put you in the grave? Yeah, he walks up. He doesn't know like what? Why are we hiding? Shh. You got to be quiet. You're supposed to be dead, but you get They couldn't even be excited about it because they're hiding from the enemy, right? It says that, it says that when they threw this guy in, the minute his body touched Elijah's bones, he got up. He was revived. It's not, it's not scripture all about reviving us. Now, here's what I really want you to understand. I have no spiritual insight for this. I have no idea why it happened, how it happened, other than maybe to bring a little bit of recognition to Elijah or whatever, right? But it never happens again. I, I point that out for this reason. There are denominations and beliefs that will have relics that they believe you can touch or do this with or whatever with, and, and the same miracle will always happen. If that was the case, they would have resurrected a lot of people by just throwing them in Elijah's grave. How many do you think they tried? I mean, realistically, how many? I'm not picking on them. I would have tried it too. Who wouldn't have? If you wouldn't have, you're an idiot. Right? Either that or you didn't love who died. One of the two. Right? Like, I get called an idiot at church a lot. Yes, yeah, out of love though. Out of love, I swear. Right? I want to grow you. Right? So, but, but think about that. If it weren't for one guy, wouldn't you have threw your, your friend in there? Your loved one in there? Hey, let's try it out, right? Now, one time physically, but how many times spiritually? How many times can you and I be brought back to life through some of the things these prophets do? Right? Or maybe you could ask it this way. Well, I have enough power myself to revive others when I leave. It goes back to legacy. You notice a lot of this stuff in Kings about legacy. Man, I hope we're doing good at leaving a legacy, right? 22 and 23. I told you I wasn't going to talk on that part long. We hit the main part that we needed, right? 22 and 23. God, God's kindness to Israel says that Hazael, king of Syria, oppressed Israel. Now, remember, this was allowed. This was actually planned because of 2 Kings 8. Like, this is all something God's doing to give opportunity to his people. 23. And the Lord was gracious to them. Israel delivers from this discipline. God, God refuses. To eat. They deserve the discipline. But God refused to forsake them, right? He saved them from, from their problem. Then 24 and 25, as it wraps up, it says this. Three times Joash defeated him. That's the three times Elijah, Elisha had promised him, right? Can you picture this guy after the third victory? You ever wonder like what he was thinking? Man, I wish I'd have shot more arrows in the ground. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I don't want to get to that stage in my life where I, I wish I'd have done more than I could have, right? Don't get to a moment later when you wish about the moment before. Or I wrote down, don't get to the moment later when you regret the moment before. I wish I would have, right? Preparation is so important. I, I can't tell you enough how important it is. That's, that's, that's what Elijah do. He's setting the stage for preparation. Could you imagine like if we gathered on a Sunday and nothing was prepared? You know, Stacy walks up here. Carla walks up here. Hey, what y'all want to sing? Oh, we got no slides for them because we didn't prepare. Or the stupid internet broke. Right? One of the two. Ah, I don't know that song. Give me another one. I hadn't practiced playing that one. I don't feel comfortable with that one. I don't know the words of that one. Give me another one. You see what happened if we didn't prepare? What if I didn't prepare a sermon? Hey, guys, what y'all want to talk about? Anybody got a favorite verse? What? John 3.16? Wonderful. Let's preach about it. Well, let's also preach about 17, 18, and 19 while we're going, huh? 
somebody's going home to check those verses out. They're like, hold on, there's more to the story. Yeah, check it out. John 3.16 might not be your favorite at the end. Right? Seriously. Now, you expect all of us to prepare. How about you? What did you prepare for this morning? Oh, we got quiet now. <laughs> you expect them to prepare to sing, me to prepare to preach. Are you prepared to receive? Nothing? I wouldn't say nothing either if the teacher got me, right? You're blessed. Actually, you're not blessed. I'm sorry. You're not blessed just by hearing. You're blessed by what you do and act on. That's what God's word says, right? The, the, the lesson for him most of the time is it's in your reach, but you got to go get it. It ain't always in your hand. You remember what he told Joshua at the beginning? He was, I'm going to give you all the land your feet touch. But he said, solely your feet. What do you think Joshua did? That cat put tennis shoes on and went running. I'm going to let the soles of my feet touch everything. You know what I'm saying? But if he doesn't, what if he hadn't? He had one little square where he was standing. Right? God said, I'm going to bless everything you give me. You want to know why some areas of your life ain't blessed? Because you ain't giving him all the areas. It's that simple, man. It's that simple. You, you, ain't, you ain't giving them to him. God, God promises. Promises. They don't, they don't come just by sitting and waiting. They come by our, us aligning our life with his truth. The first arrow, the promise of victory. It, it should have gave root to the rest of them. But he wanted to save the remaining arrows for whoever knows what reason. Man, I don't know. Maybe he didn't want them damaged. I know some of you archers probably had a heart attack when I was throwing arrows down. Or you're like, no, don't real quick. Right? I mean, you think about it. Why was he holding back? What are you holding back on God? That's more important for you to answer. Why? You can't outshoot God, so I don't know why we try to save ammunition. Right? They're too afraid to empty their quiver. They want a little bit of God and a little bit of us just in case. If you're going to usher in what God has promised, you got to move. Because the king chose to only use part of what he had, he only received part of what he'd been promised. Don't you get fooled into thinking, I got everything God promised. No, you don't. You got everything God promised you if you do your part. It's a covenant. It's an agreement. Right? God leaves a lot. You know, I read that and I'm like, man, at the beginning I was like, well, was it five or was it six then? Because kind of, I want to know. You notice God leaves a lot of things up to you. He leaves a lot of things up to you. So you can ask it this way. How far do you want to go? How many opportunities do you not want to miss? How many things do you want to leave behind? How often do you not want to hear, I should have? Right? I should have. I should have. Y'all give me like two more seconds. As, as, I'll be done before they get up here, I promise. But it's too good to have a bow and arrow and not give you this. Right? All right, Anne-Marie, I got the target tip on there, so we're good. Right? I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm not crazy. Right? You guys ever shot one of these? No? Oh, all you do, you put it in? And then, like, you point it where you're going? Hold on. You got to do it another way. I got you. I can shoot it. I promise you I can do it. Like you put it in and you just push it. Yeah. Y'all like that? Oh, let me do it again because that was cool, right? Is this what you guys picture whenever he said, I want you to open the east window? Oh. I'm going to be honest, if that's the only problem you got so far, 
you might want to keep watching me. <laughs> Do you think it was cooler than that? Oh, you thought it was cooler? You thought what? Oh. Have you ever pulled back one of these? I'm so glad you're so talkative. Go ahead. I want you to, I want you to grab right here and just hold it there and pull back. That's all you do, for real. I'll be like Elijah. I'll help you. Ready? Pull it. Oh, pull it. Come on. I'm a weakling. So it was hard. It was hard. Hey, this is it because I told you I'd be done when they got up here, right? I told you I'd be done when they got up here. There's purpose in the pressure. There's a lot of pressure to pull one back. There really is. But there's purpose in the pressure. The purpose in the pressure so the arrow can be launched where it's supposed to be. You got it? What I want to make sure you guys got is this, man. Don't dare think there's no purpose in your pressure. The pressure of the, the enemies attacking sent that king to Elijah. Elijah on his deathbed. The pressure of, of time being short. The pressure allowed him to give that king advice. The pressure of that bow shot that arrow. Then it shot three more. And when the pressure stopped, he was satisfied for a little while. That's why sometimes we don't need the pressure to stop. We need to keep our lives under pressure, the right pressure, but under pressure so that we can get shot where God wants to. Make sure you go in where God wants. They don't look like Cliff and Rachel over here sharing each other's glasses, right? Let's pray. <laughs> Father God, I thank you for this morning, Lord. God, I thank you for the extra time we had to dive into your word and grow. I thank you for the illustrations, God. God, I, I thank you for a chapter, Lord God, that in all honesty, I wasn't expecting a lot out of. But you do the unexpected. God, I pray now that you do the unexpected with what remains in our hearts. Lord, take over the remaining of this time, the remaining of this week. Work, Lord God, through our souls. Work through the, the things that we've studied, things that we've read. God, God, preach the things I skipped. And correct the things I messed up. Lord God, I pray that your spirit does way more spiritually than we can do physically. In your great name, amen.